Like sands through the hourglass. So begins another episode of Oh God, it hurts! Oh God, it hurts! <laughs> <laughs> yep. Welcome to episode number four, is that right? Quattro. Yeah. Awesome. So yes, uh, I am Game Agent E.T. And this here is... JJJ, a.k.a. the Six Button Samurai, a.k.a. Tugboat. <laughs> Why Tugboat? That's a long story that I will tell at another time. It has to do with games of horse in high school. <laughs> Are you sure you're not talking about Tugboat, that little arcade cabinet that I saw at Chuck E. T's when I was a kid? No. You I remember that? Talk- <laughs> I do. I do recall that. But I'm talking horse. Oh, okay. high school there's a very specific story that someday i'll get into all right how are Wait. you good sir oh doing good um i actually had my second pfizer shot this week so Excellent. that that was an experience but i'm very glad that i didn't have any major side effects and i'm glad to just play a part in you know helping out because yeah yeah trying to stay safe with everything that's going on right now and also not burdening our hospitals. Uh, I mean, yeah, I just yeah. wanted to do this to, you know, have clear state of mind. Now I'm feeling much better. How about you? Good. I'm glad you didn't alter your beast. Uh, <laughs> I'm good. You know, I'm just, uh, been, uh, been in a very retro state of mind as of late, you know, yeah. playing some, some funky old things to uh, keep the spirits high at this strange time, but uh, we'll get into that. All right. So let's start with the uh, water cooler. Uh, today's topic. Uh, first, uh, what I'd like to talk about is uh, there's a little news blurb that happened this week on uh, Fortnite, which. Uh, is probably one of the most popular games out right now, especially yes. with the younger crowd. It's very well, frighteningly popular when you consider like just how many like giant cameos are present in that game. Like it's almost oh yeah. I would say qualitatively, it's, it's <laughs> probably much a much larger phenomenon than even Smash, which is kind of hard for me to comprehend, but it's true. That may be true, but uh, man, those uh. Street Fighter cameos look pretty creepy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I sort Especially of Guile. <laughs> <laughs> Guile is hands down like the weirdest looking one yet. Yeah, um, I don't really understand the hair mm-hmm. in particular. Um, you know, Cammy, it makes sense because it's a family friendly game, and they're not just going to have her dishing yeah. up all yeah. kinds of white girl booty. Yeah, you know. For that crowd, you know, she's got some uh, uh, Marvel esque leggings, which, yeah. you know, it makes yeah. sense. You know, but, she's an agent. It's yeah, but of, it but, works for the character. But, I mean, they do have the floss uh, gesture. Why not bring right. in the real floss? <laughs> um, but no, no, no. The youngins. I know. It's understandable. <laughs> it's just a right. joke, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, anyways. Uh, well, uh, Fortnite found itself on the news because they kind of s- swiped a little bit with a new mode called Imposter Mode. Mm-hmm. And Imposter Mode works from what everyone says. I don't play the game myself, but right. if you ever played the indie game Among Us, it plays pretty much the same way, this mode. So... I guess uh, for my water cooler question, I mean, this isn't very new. I mean, it's been going on since the beginning of video games. But basically, what are your thoughts on companies swiping other companies, especially a big company swiping a little company like this, like uh, something? I mean, unfortunately, like that's always going to happen. And... I mean, you sort of see it in a variety of ways and even um, video games, tech in general. I mean, uh, I'm a social media manager by day and like a couple weeks ago, 
TikTok announced that now there's TikTok stories. Yeah. Which is hilarious because like Instagram started with stories first. And Mm -hmm. then of course, Facebook owns Instagram and Facebook. So soon after you have Facebook stories as well, which in my experience hasn't really caught on as like a regular thing. Like I think people that post Instagram stories usually will just like double up and publish the same shit as a Facebook story. Yeah. Um, but you know, TikTok is sort of seen as like the upstart and that sort of worked in the inverse where they bit a feature that is known to these larger platforms. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. And so, um, it doesn't surprise me that given the kind of explosive popularity of Among Us that Fortnite would go, oh, you can clone that, you know? Yeah. I have to agree with that because yeah. um, it can be good, it can be bad. But yeah. for the most part, I would think it's a bit of a risk for the company because... Yeah the company is going to be looked at in a negative light saying like, well, <clears throat> why can't you think of something more original? At least put yeah. in your own twist that makes it more uh, your style than just completely aping uh, another game. But like I said, I have not played Fortnite uh, at all. So I right. don't know exactly how close this game is, the imposter mode to Among Us. So. The problem is that I have yet to see a major example of where a larger competing product bit a smaller competing product's feature and actually paid a price for it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it's almost never punished in yeah. the marketplace. So. And I agree. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I you know. Anytime somebody comes up with an interesting new wrinkle, particularly Mm -hmm. if it's something that like wasn't patented in advance or something to that effect, like, yeah, like on this same tip, it's funny how like after the Game & Watch and NES, you know, what we think of as the classic Nintendo D-pad was patented for years. So every other controller that you saw was sort of trying to bite that idea without directly biting that idea in a way that was legally actionable. Yep. And of course now it's been so long that you actually have like legitimately good straight up clones of the old Nintendo D pad on pads from 8-bit dough and other competing companies. Yeah. But it seems like in this day and age, like there's very little that actually remains proprietary for very long. Yeah. And also, like, if you think about something like a fighting game where Mm -hmm. remember when Street Fighter 2 came out, uh, it was pretty much, uh, you know, a straight up brawler. But then I don't know if who came up with it first. uh, Please uh, let me know. But it was either Fatal Fury or Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. That had the super super move? Yeah, the super bar, the super move. Which one did it first? Fatal Fury 2 had those kinds of like desperation supers first. Yeah. Um and again, that's that's like a that's almost an even more complicated case of it because you had staff that created SF2 at Capcom that then left for SNK and began making the Fatal Fury games. Yeah. And then Fatal Fury 2 and Fatal Fury 2 or Fatal Fury Special were essentially bona fide hits yeah. before Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo landed. Yeah. And then SF2 being the sort of trendsetter for that particular genre, then sort of bit back in reverse. And, and essentially, that's like a perfect analogy to what Fortnite has done. Where yeah. Fortnite was the big, bad, popular game now, and mm-hmm. they saw this thing in this indie hit that they could bite and sort of apply to their game to create yet another gameplay wrinkle for a very large audience. So, yeah. 
All's fair in love, war, and video games. <laughs> and not only that, like I said, yeah, the company takes a little bit of a negative light hit, but, it, you know, as time passes, people forget. And, yeah. you know, uh, who knows? Maybe Fortnite will keep going as a, you know, a pretty popular game, or it might be a flash in the pan and kind of die out in a couple of years. And what, what are they going to follow up with that? They're going to have to make some, you know, uh, I don't know. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see because I think like they've just got so much momentum now to the point where they have all these cameos from like literally the biggest properties around. I mean, Marvel, street fighter, star Wars, etc. Yeah. But you know, when you have that large of an audience for anything, you know, a fair chunk of that can be relatively fickle. So, you know, they could get turned around to some other new game that we don't even know of yet. So, exactly. So that's really why, hard to say. Yeah. That's why I'm saying, well, you know, if they want to keep going with Fortnite, they're going to have to think of something a little bit original to stay on top. So, you know, right. but for right now, this may be able to keep them afloat for a couple of months or even right. a year, but we'll see. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we also so have... my big water cooler item of the week. Um, yes. The, this year represents the 25th anniversary of Quake. Yes. And just this past week, everybody was blown away by the sudden appearance of a remastered version of Quake for basically every platform. Yeah, um, I saw that. And uh, it looks exciting. I, I haven't gotten it yet, but I, I plan <laughs> to get it next month. Uh, yeah. But yeah, what are your impressions on it? Well, I had a sneaky suspicion something was up because about a month, month and a half ago, I forget exactly when it was, there was a really in-depth, uh, Digital Foundry retro piece by John Linneman that was an hour in length sort of detailing why Quake was such an interesting and absolutely influential title. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, he's actually really, really close to the studio that worked on the Dune 64 remaster, which yeah. is a studio by the name of Night Dive. And so... In the back of my head, I was like, well, that would be really interesting if that, like, dropped again. But, like, I briefly thought it, and then I didn't think much of it because there wasn't, like, any sort of follow-up news or anything. And it was really, you know, an interesting and pleasant surprise to just, like, bam, it's out. You know, with no real advance warning whatsoever. So that was a really fascinating thing to see take place. Um, Quake represents kind of an interesting sort of um, bummer note for me as a as a youth because yeah. at the time that game actually came out, I had a really shitty Cyrix computer, which if you don't remember what Cyrix was, like it was an early rival um, chip maker to Intel. Yeah. Um, but if what I've learned now is that Quake had very specific things within the software rendered version of it that catered specifically to Pentium processors. Oh. And of course, <laughs> none of that applied on my dog shit Cyrix rig. So I got the game installed and I think it ran at like 18 frames a second. Wow. <laughs> at like 320 by 240 nice <laughs> so it was you know pretty much unplayable and so that was like really disappointing and i i have to think that like if i'd actually had a decent rig to play quake at the time like yeah i might have become like much more of a pc gamer than i ever was um so Needless to say, like seeing this unbelievably nice, polished, like Night Dive Studios does this really amazing job at sort of like 
you know, if you play the Doom 64 re-release, like yeah. it cranks at 60 frames a second, like absolutely butter smooth. Yeah. And yet there are things about the graphical presentation of that as an N64 game that it's really striving to preserve. So it's like, it's really like kind of threading the needle between being like the best of both worlds. Like yeah. it runs creamy fast, but it's preserving a lot of the visual character of what made the, that game the kind of standout that it was on the N64. And it's really true with Quake. Like mm-hmm. it starts out in kind of a middle mode where like, there's definitely some filtering applied and some other things, but you can actually dumb the look of it down to look much more like a software rendered Pentium version of Quake. If can you, you want. can you also play in widescreen? Um, I'm trying to recall. Yeah, I think it. I think it fits. I think it fills the widescreen frame off the top of my head. Like oh, okay. That's a funny thing that I hadn't considered. I think it just does by default. Yeah, because um, that would be an can... example of them uh, trying to, you know, work the new with the old and kind of right give you. Well, that's the thing. Like even the the HUD, like ammo and health counters and all that stuff, like still has like a very specific like quasi pixelated look to it. Yeah. So they just they make really great choices as far as like splitting the middle to like honor a game's heritage but like still do all these like quality of life things that really make you that really embrace like the newer hardware that it's on so i played through the first episode of it Mm -hmm. and that was really really fun and i'm definitely looking forward to playing some more quake because it's uh that digital foundry piece really did a lot to sort of flesh out like why it's such an interesting and critical game i mean yes doom is kind of like you know the mother river of all of those things related to id software and fps games but yeah you know there weren't like 3d accelerator cards before quake came along and quake actually motivated people to go get that kind of a specific hardware upgrade like that wasn't a thing before quake so but yeah, that's a it. Also, trend. made fan mods yeah. a lot easier, which is another thing that John Linneman goes into. So yeah, yeah, um, really interesting stuff, and that's that's a game that is absolutely fun, especially like if you want something that's just like the polar opposite of Fortnite, like just FPS, like stripped down to like its most gritty essential, but still like really fun and tight gameplay wise and just super engaging like that game is pretty pretty darn fantastic and you can play online right with other people yep yep yeah there's a boatload of online modes in tow and apparently that one also allows for cross-platform play as well nice so i wonder if our buddy mikey is gonna get it i'm, I'm sure, sure he already has it plenty- I'm sure he's going to spend plenty of time with it. Um, yeah, yeah, he sent me a big old happy-ass text that day because he was very stoked to see that drop. And, uh, yeah, he's a he's a big old id software head from way back. So Yeah, and I, I want, I, you know, I got into FPSs late. Uh, I think I told you before uh, in a previous episode that one of the games I wish I played uh, was uh, The Grid from Midway, which is uh, mm-hmm. the arcade game that was kind of like, you know, if you were uh, kind of disadvantaged and didn't have a computer at home that could run Quake, well, you can play The Grid at your yeah. arcade. I wish I could Sort of a like yeah. lighter, arcade-ish take on FPS games. Yeah. Because I really enjoyed the hell the hell out of uh playing Halo with everybody uh back in Tucson. And mm-hmm. I you know, I play it once in a while, but you know, I definitely wanna try out Quake because that whole I mean, I played a Doom before, obviously, but when it came mm-hmm. to Quake, my computer was not that great. So it I kinda skipped on that. But yeah. I just wanna 
see how uh what the hype's all about with quake you know i just want to play it try it out and enjoy it for what it is and yeah like i said i'm definitely looking forward to getting that and uh they're also i think they're releasing doom slayers collection as well you heard about that that. right yeah Mm -hmm. so they're releasing uh all the previous dooms and doom 2016 i believe the new Mm -hmm. the newest one the second newest one right except for doom eternal i believe right so yeah it is pretty much uh yeah taking full advantage of their properties and that's good they're celebrating them and as they should because they were very impactful in our video game society so Mm -hmm. yeah very nice so it brings me to the next topic uh now playing so james (laughs) what are you i've been playing playing a lot of quake as i mentioned um I've also been continuing about with some unfinished business. Um, still chasing an ending in Chrono Trigger, but I'm like taking my time with it because that game's just ridiculously enjoyable. I mean, it is. There's it just is. so much that you can do with that battle system. It's yeah. really fun to try different combinations of things. Um, yeah. And there's so many different side quests and other things to find. Yeah. I've not made any progress on Yoshi's Island yet. Still mm. at six five, but I think I'm gonna wake up tomorrow and just try and throw that down because yeah. I have this old sort of weird tradition where like if I get stuck in a Nintendo game specifically, like I have very vivid memories of getting stuck on the battle with Ganon in the original Legend of Zelda. Yeah. That was like late at night and I was just like screwing it up. And so it's just like, all right, I'm frustrated. I haven't done this. You know, it's so hard just getting there, you know, because Death Mountain's kind of a nightmare. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to go to sleep and I'm going to wake up. And whenever I wake up, I'm going to jump on it and beat it. Yeah. And I did that with The Legend of Zelda. So now that's sort of my thing where it's like, all right, I'm getting to the end of a fight with a Nintendo game. Yep. Gonna sleep on it, take it on first thing in the morning. So I think I'm gonna try and do that with Yoshi's Island tomorrow. It's a good attitude. Yeah. Unfinished um, business, you gotta take care of it soon, or else it's just gonna be in right. the back of your head for exactly. the longest time. I mean, mm-hmm. it already was for the longest time because like you said, you got close years mm-hmm. before, right? And then yep. suddenly you stopped. Yeah. So I know so, how that feels. Oh yeah. Besides yeah. that, um, I got this fancy spinner controller mm-hmm. for the Mister. Yo. And I've been playing some arcade Arkanoid with that. Very nice. Very nice. And it's fun. However, um, that's a game that'll just make you feel like you suck at video games in fairly short order. Oh, well. <laughs> I mean, I had Arkanoid for NES. Yeah, I felt like, yeah, I can never beat this game. I don't even know mm-hmm. if it had unlimited continues, but I kind of felt like, no, I'm not going to beat this game. <laughs> right. <laughs> because I'm just not built for that type of game. But yeah. Yeah, um, it's just one of those like really old school, like you have to be zoned in on this and dialed in or else you will not succeed sort Mm. of things like you know uh being older and having a real job has sort of taught me like why the japanese play a lot of jrpgs to begin with and it's like you know you can sit down and have a beer open and just play those games and grind and it's enjoyable but like you don't have to be very intense about playing a game like that. You know what I mean? Like you can just kind of let it happen. You wander around, you rack up EXP and it's not terribly stressful. So you don't have to have like, yeah, you don't have to have a inordinate, inordinate amount of skill to beat the game. So Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just kind of hang out and enjoy it. And uh, you're in the middle of playing a JRPG right now, are you not? Yes, I am. And uh, 
actually it was uh one of your recommendations uh i'm currently playing uh fantasy star uh the sega ages version that is on nintendo switch and nice. this is a very very old school rpg <laughs> where mm-hmm. uh luckily they help you out but back then uh you would have to make maps for this game that's how old school it is but mm-hmm. luckily there's a lot of quality of life uh improvements in this game where they actually auto map the dungeons for you they also mm-hmm. uh give you a lot of cool things like uh fm music so mm-hmm. it sounds a lot better than the original right. uh it also well, that's dis- actually a point of contention there's a lot of fans oh they that- they had sticklers for the original yeah, they prefer the PSG sound from the Master System over the FM. But, like, yeah, I having listened to both, like, I do actually like the FM sound better with That's Fantasy same. Star 1. But it's also a thing where, like, yeah, I wasn't around back in the day playing the original cartridge with that one. So, well, me neither. I can uh, see how n- nostalgia would just have, like, yeah. enormous weight. Yeah. And for me, I didn't even know. I still have never seen a Sega Master System in person. Wow. <laughs> because I never owned one and I never knew anyone that owned one. So yeah. that's why Fantasy Star finally playing it. Um, this is one of the heralded RPGs in Sega's library. Mm-hmm. And even on the Genesis, I, you know, I had a Genesis late in its cycle, but I only dabbled with get this fantasy star three <laughs> mm-hmm. that's like the worst one to start with <laughs> because it's just it doesn't play well it's kind of boring and yeah it's our not... friend sebastian would be very angry at you for disparaging <laughs> fantasy star three because he's it's actually, terrible like, it's i think terrible. he's like the lone holdout who who loves that game oh, above the others and he's all about like the you know the branching paths by virtue of whoever yeah, that that that's all it's got going for it. otherwise it's just really boring and just <laughs> storyline is completely garbage and just not fun to play uh so See? yeah i <laughs> but fantasy star uh i mean it's like you said like you know it's the, that type of game where you got to grind and if you mm-hmm. don't mind that you're going to like this game but at the same time, there are a lot of other things you got to be worried about. Like, uh, from what I understand, uh, uh, basically, there's a fight that I haven't looked it up, but you're going to need an item. <laughs> and if you mm. don't have this item, you are in for a lot of hurt. Because if you don't have a previous save that takes you back, you kind of screwed yourself and, you know, you can't finish the mm. game. Okay. So that's the only thing that uh, I'm, you know, conscious of. I didn't look up anything else, but okay, yeah, it's that type of game where it's like yeah. you gotta take the notes of everything that you hear from townspeople and make sure. Yeah, you I mean that was it. that was a time when those games, like, yeah. they had a very sort of cryptic way of writing about those things, and yeah imbuing clues in the dialogue and like that was typically a thing that also got kind of mangled with the western translations of games like that yeah yeah So like it might have been clearer in the original japanese version and then once the game landed here it was yet more cryptic yeah than it was before so but hopefully it's not a uh, Castlevania two Simon's quest cryptic <laughs> where it's like, yeah, I mean, that, that's a great are, example. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. In that game, half of the stuff that the townspeople say are nonsensical or lies. <laughs> mm-hmm. So hopefully <laughs> fantasy star, whatever people say, hopefully that goes towards beating the game or getting further in the game. So, yeah, but yeah, I highly recommend it. It's only like what eight bucks on the eShop on Nintendo Switch, and yep, yeah, great way to kind of experience how RPGs were like back in the day, and yeah, just yeah, bring that a lot game of was definitely another trailblazing title that yep. you know was 
way ahead of its peers, I think a lot of people would say, as far as like where most 8-bit JRPGs were at the time. You know, I think so too. Famicom or NES. But you got to bring your patience. If you don't have yep. patience, you're not going to get very far in that game. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, that's what I've been playing. Uh, let's now go ahead towards uh, today's big question. So, before right. I bring up the big question, mm-hmm. uh, I got to set this up a little bit. Uh, this big question, uh, well, basically, uh, where I got it from was uh, this week. Uh, everyone who has heard of the name Daigo Umehara, he is. Umehara. Umehara. <laughs> yes, he is god of fighting games. The beast. Basically, yes, he is the beast. He is the beast. <laughs> um, he is one of the most well-known fighting game competitors in the world. He's from mm-hmm. Japan. He has won many tournaments, uh, mostly in- involving Street Fighter games. And he is, cons- I-, I think he is pretty much one of the first esports players as well. So he is a pioneer of fighting game uh, competitors. And yeah. It, he's very uh, passionate in his craft. Basically, he's still going strong, and he's forty years old right now, and he's still winning tournaments. So, yeah. Uh, however, uh, there was a story that uh, two years ago he brought up where he talked about when he was thirteen years old. He used to go to this arcade, this game center in his neighborhood. And he was playing a Street Fighter game, and he was racking up some wins against this uh, opponent of his who was about, he was saying about a little bit over 20 years old. Mm-hmm. And as he kept racking the wins, racking up the wins, uh, this opponent of his got a little bit, you know, testy, came up to Daigo and punched him in the face. Wow. Right in the face. <laughs> So like right out of high score girl. Yeah. So <laughs> as Daigo was reeling and he was like, well, what's going on? He fell out of his seat. Literally. Uh, the guy took him outside and proceeded to punch him even more in the face. And Daigo was a bloody mess. <laughs> uh, by the time that was over, uh, came home. Uh, his parents were saying like, well, what happened to you? He's trying to, he didn't say exactly what happened, but you know, basically, yeah, that sort of thing happened to Daigo because he was playing in the neighborhood where, you know, it was kind of a seedy neighborhood. And in turn, for a while, he started playing in other arcades, other game centers because of that incident. But uh, he could not really live with himself after a while because he felt like he had to confront his fear. He wanted to go mm-hmm. back to this arcade because, you know, he was upset already that he let this guy punch him in the face that, you know, and repeatedly punch him uh, and did nothing about it. And he didn't want to keep living in fear. So he decided right. one day to go back to this arcade, uh, I think around the same year that he uh, got attacked. and. It took him a little while to bring up the courage, but he eventually went back in. And uh, it kind of made his whole story, basically how he, you know, is now not afraid of Mm -hmm. things that are outside his control in order to become the best at what he can be, uh, and that is to play fighting games like Street Fighter. So anyways, uh, this is something he talked about two years ago in a lecture in Japan. Uh, and just recently on Twitch, uh, while he was broadcasting to his viewers, he decided, Hey, I'm going to use Google maps and I'm going to find this old arcade that I got beat up at. (laughs) So he found the arcade. Uh, he said, obviously, uh, after, uh, he went back to the arcade years ago, it closed down maybe a couple times after he went, it just closed down because, you know, like I said, seedy neighborhood. But when he looked it up on Google Maps and he was showing everyone, he said, oh, my God, it has the same door (laughs) 
And mm-hmm. you may think, well, what what does the door have to do with it? But this door uh, is not like other doors you see in game centers across Japan, where it's like sliding doors or clear glass you can see inside. You know, this was like a heavy wood door with no windows. And it was like mm-hmm. one of those where you had to open it by hand, you know, you know, pull the handle, right. pull it out, you know. And then uh, he was saying, yeah, this kind of door, it, it's the kind of door that, you know, hides like seedy things, you know, like a lot of crazy things or dangerous things could be happening back there. And that's why that ominous door <laughs> meant a lot to him because, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was that kind of place. Uh, the arcade for him, that arcade in particular, was kind of a seedy place and it it just kind of it got me thinking about just in general like well you and I we were lucky enough to be born in and uh be around uh, in that time where video game arcades were the thing they were out there mm-hmm. they were plentiful but my question for today is arcades in general uh while you were growing up were they uh, a good experience or a bad experience for you were they heaven or hell when i think about that like i was the kind of kid that got in a variety of scrapes in school growing up um for whatever reason and i was never one to start stuff, but I would get picked on to a fair degree. So I would get in scraps quite a bit. And weirdly enough, now that you bring it up, Mm -hmm. I think arcades for me largely were a haven really, because I'd been going to them from such a young age. I mean, I had an uncle that first took me, to arcades when I was like seven. Um, And of course he was there and, you know, we're walking around the arcade together, but it wasn't until it wasn't too long after that, when I was like maybe 13 or 14 that I would hop on the bus by myself and go to arcades or even prior to that, like, you know, if I knew there was like a Saturday afternoon and like me and my mom weren't doing anything, you know, I would ask to like burn my $5 allowance on like a couple hours at like golf and stuff or Malibu Grand Prix. And she'd be like, okay, you know, I'll drop you off there and pick you up a couple hours later. Yeah. So I spent a lot of time in arcades and I don't know. I mean, I think I was always just sort of a, I was always very into observing people Mm -hmm. and I just sort of watched what other people did and how they behaved towards each other and, you know, what the etiquette etiquette was as far as like putting your quarters up this, that, and the other. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, oddly enough, like, I got into all kinds of fights, like, in school or in other places, but, like, in the arcades, virtually never, you know? Yeah. So, sorry, Daigo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that happened to you, man, because, you know, yeah. you were uh, you were going on too long of a win streak at the age of 13 and, you know, yeah. literally lived a high score girl experience with, yeah. Somebody freaking out and thrashing the machine and then punching you in the face. So that's a bummer. <laughs> to be honest, what about uh, you? uh I might have had that similar situation with Daigo, but I chose wisely. <laughs> if yeah. I you know, I, I I think I remember uh playing a guy who looked scary uh at Space Shuttle. Mm-hmm. Uh one of the more infamous arcades back in the day in tucson and was he wasn't the looking... old location or the one that became aaron's family billiards the old location 
Okay. Space so the one near Fort Lowell and Campbell. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I used to Next go to there the a lot because uh, my church was down the street. So it would okay. be like a seven minute walk. Uh, right on. So I would go there during uh, Friday nights uh, when uh, I think, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, we got dropped off a little early. So I would go there before, uh, you know, the nightly service happened. And nice. I would be there for like an hour or so. And mm -hmm. yeah, I'm pretty sure I had something similar to, to what Daigo had, where a scary guy was getting mad that I was winning at Street Fighter. But mm. unlike Daigo, I threw the game after that, <laughs> noticing yeah. how upset he was. And, you know, I was like, please don't hurt me. You win. Bye. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, Daigo. Keep, keep, keep your life. But, you know, it, it may hurt your pride a little bit, but you get to keep your face. <laughs> Sometimes you got to just lose one. <laughs> yeah, yep, exactly. You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. But See, anyways, yeah. I think I probably lucked out by the time the fighting game era dawned because yeah, by the time SF2 dropped, yeah, that would have been after my growth spurt midway through high school. Yeah. So by that time, I was like six foot two. Yeah. That just sort of wasn't likely. Exactly. No one would mess with you back then. Right. At that height and size. So, mm -hmm. but for me, uh, yeah. Um, in terms of arcades, uh, I would say for me as well, it was a sanctuary. And uh, okay. basically, uh, I had the very, very similar experiences at school where I was bullied a lot because I was small. I was Chinese American and uh, I really had a introverted personality. So a lot of times I, I got picked on by people just because of my race uh, right. repeatedly at school. And I even had one time in junior uh junior high school where this guy would pick on me every single day in drafting class you know mechanical drafting class okay. uh every day i went to that class this guy would just make comments about my race and saying uh, all these sort of slurs about my race and yeah uh it got to the point where one day he would just come up to me and say come on fight me man fight me <laughs> do oh, it boy. now let's fight let's fight right now i'm tired of you because i never really uh provoked him and i never said anything to him but you were and, just fed up yeah well he just came up to me and he was fed yeah. up with me not responding to him huh. and then the teacher was there other students were there and they were looking at him and i was like you're not worth it <laughs> right I'm not going to do anything. You're not worth it. And then the teacher just sent him out of class. Uh, he was uh, told not to come even close to me after that. But that was almost a year of harassment that I got from this guy, not only in this drafting class, but also in PE. So, yeah. yeah. But anytime <sighs> I went to the arcade, though, mm -hmm. I never had that treatment. I never did. Yeah. Every time I went, you know, I was the same person I was at school. I was quiet. You know, I never did any like pop offs or anything like you see nowadays when people win video games on tournaments, things like that. You know, yeah. I would just play games and, you know, if I win, you know, that's fine yeah. and all. But um, when people played and then like they played against me or watch me play. Either I would compliment them or they would compliment me and then we would start talking and then we suddenly we'd be friends. Yeah. And everyone at the arcade spoke my language, you know? Right. Everyone was pretty knowledgeable about fighting games, excited about stuff that was coming out. Right. And it also deepened a lot of relationships that I had a little bit outside of the arcade, like, for example, with you. I mean, I met mm -hmm. you through the Captron store in the mall, the video game mm -hmm. store. 
or Nintendo. Yeah. And that kind of deepened our relationship when we hung out at the arcades, you know? Right. And because of that, I always felt like, you know, the arcades, I mean, Space Shuttle and Aaron's Family Billiards, two, you know, those arcades that were owned by the same guy that were, you know, infamous. Mm -hmm. uh, they had those tinted windows and everything, right? right? So... It's kind of like how Daigo explained it. Yeah, it looks like shady stuff is happening back there, you know, with that kind of mm -hmm. environment. But I never felt safer, to be honest, because yeah, same. I, I made a lot of friends and I knew when to pick battles, which I, you know, I never instigated battles. The only thing I did yeah. was play games. And uh, if someone was getting upset, I would just, you know, throw the game. OK, you win. It's not that important See. to me, you know. And so then, it sucks that you dealt with that, like, yeah. you know, getting picked on as a Chinese American, yeah. going to high school in Tucson. Like, it's not a shocker, hmm. especially given the era, because people were, I don't know, like, I think young people were more apt to be dickish about that kind of thing in that time. Yeah. Um, I, like... I got in a few scraps early on in high school, um, but like that had to do with my my fucking Jordans. Really, like, I had a pair of Jordans once. That's all your Jordans. And, yeah, and there were a couple of people that made it known that like they wanted to steal my Jordans, and so wow, there were a few like almost fights that happened as a result of that. And of course that was when I was shorter. Mm -hmm. um, but me being half white, half Mexican, I mean, that's basically Tucson in a bucket. So I didn't really encounter that specific kind of racial discrimination. I mean, it was one of those things where like, um, I wasn't rich enough to hang with the white kids at Tucson High, but I also wasn't brown enough to hang with the Mexican kids at Tucson High. So I wound up hanging mostly with Pakistani skaters that didn't go to my school oh. who also played Street Fighter. <laughs> I, I know one guy. I know that one right. guy. Right. <laughs> yep. Good so, friend. Great friend. But, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, man. Arcades were uh, definitely a sanctuary. Yeah. I, I totally agree, and uh, I know it, it's different for other people, but mm -hmm. I think for us, and especially in Tucson, I think we're fortunate. We have a lot of, you know, surprisingly great people that, you know, if they're into something, they could be the best people to be around. And I think oh, that's yeah. that's the magic of Tucson. Mm -hmm. is, uh, a lot of great things happened uh during my time in Tucson, just, you know, because of the passionate people that, you know, were there that loved video games that made my life a lot better. And I, I'm glad to have met so many of those people and still are friends with many of those people, lifelong friends that, you know, to be honest, I never had in high school. I don't think I have right. very not even two, not even one, you know? That... No, it's weird because, like, I've had a few people that I knew from who actually went to my school Yeah, that, like, have added me on, like, Facebook or whatever in recent Same. years. Same. And, like, it's nice to make their digital acquaintance again, but, like, I don't really have a lot to talk with them about. Same. You know what I mean? Because, like, Same. I had my... I had my elsewhere crew and that was, that was all I really needed. Yeah. School was actually the hostile environment for me. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. How ironic is that? But then again, I think that can be happening nowadays too. I mean, with the state of, you know, guns being a little bit more prominent now. Well, I mean, just... there is that, but there's also just like, I don't know, like, I also think that like being a child or a teenager in this day and age and having your life be an open book on social media, the way it is for a lot of those kids. Yeah. Like that's a whole different 
form of that nightmare. You know, yeah. what I mean? like you might have somebody that you've got an issue with while you're in class or at, you know, at lunch or whatever, but then that shit can continue outside in a way that it wasn't possible before. So, Oh yeah. Cyberbullying. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's a huge thing here in Japan too. I mean, I'm a teacher here and that has always been a huge issue in our, uh, the schools that I'm at because, you know, uh, there have been quite a few instances uh, around Japan where people commit suicide because they get bullied uh, right. from instant messages or uh, social media. They get shamed and it's right. terrible. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's that's just as much a problem here from what I understand. Yeah. So I think video games is still one of the, I would say, maybe the best ways to escape that kind of society or that sort of uh, area or social group that just keeps following you and bullying. You know, if they keep bullying you, video games have has always been a, an escape for many people and yeah that that has not changed over time right but yeah i think uh we both agree yep that arcades back then yeah they're safe for us yeah so maybe uh yeah daigo maybe he has to he had to have to he'd had to uh you know have made better choices on arcades back in the day <laughs> Well, he was or, just uh or make more friends or just had he, he was he bad. was doing what he did what he does best and yeah. uh, had had a bad day because of it. Yeah. Wrong place, wrong time, I get, I suppose. Yep. But anyways, that's gonna be it for this episode. Great discussion. So. Yep. Thank you so much once again, James. Uh Let's close it off. Uh, my name is uh, Eddie, uh, also known as Game Agent ET. You can find me on Instagram and uh, Twitter on that same handle. Yep, and you can find me at Super Mario Kart with a K on Instagram. All right. Thank you for listening once again. Uh, we hope to have you again some other time. <laughs>